is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I ask, you got to figure out why. Welcome in. We are live here on this Tuesday and a jam-packed show for you guys. We have some very, very important statistics to get into with the Georgia Bulldogs. Misleading as they may be, they are important as well. Nobody saw this coming through the first two weeks of the NFL season. We'll get to that today. But uh, Braves win again last night, by the way. Uh, they take care of business against the Nationals. Uh, and Kyle Reich gets his 19th win. Kenley Jansen had a perfect ninth. So, hey. I want everybody to get used to this. Kenley Jansen is going to be the closest throughout the playoffs thing, guys. It, it's Snitker is going to ride with him. He rode with Will Smith last year. Everybody hated it. He rode with him. They won a World Series. He's going through it again. So we need to put that little nugget in our pocket. Um, but uh, Mets went again last night as well. So still a one-game lead for the Braves. Again, tied in the loss column. So that is uh, important to note. But we have more of the Braves coming up on the show. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Of course, follow our entire Locked On Network at Locked On ATL. Let's get into the Atlanta Falcons here. Uh, we are now a full day removed from the loss in L.A. Uh, Falcons are up in Washington practicing up there. And I feel like it's important to readdress this scenario because I, I on the surface, I get why people are upset. And on the surface... I should be leading the charge of people who are upset, but you have to sometimes dive deeper than a box score, guys. I mean, this is kind of, you know, the 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 analysis that you need to do so you temper a little bit of what you're thinking to at least something rational. And what I'm talking about here is Kyle Pitts and his targets and his receptions at this point in time. Full disclosure, again, I was somebody – in the beginning of the year, before the season started, who screamed about Kyle Pitts' targets and his receptions and how if it didn't happen, it was derelict coaching. So I should be at the front of the line screaming about the fact that Kyle Pitts, through two games, has just 10 targets, four catches, for 38 yards. That doesn't exactly seem like eye-popping numbers for a guy that's supposed to be the biggest mismatch on the field. And, oh, by the way, a guy who's supposed to be, you know, the best weapon on the offense. Let's understand what has happened through the first two games. And then let's take a look at what's going on around the league to see if there is sort of any difference. Because I think this is important. I think this is important to understand. First of all, Kyle Pitts as a weapon is the biggest mismatch on the field, possibly the NFL. I agree with that sentiment 100%. So clearly, they should be scheming to get him open. Clearly, they should be uh, finding ways to get him the ball no matter what. Those things are true. What is also true, and what you're not accounting for in that, is that every defensive coordinator, and the two they've played so far, you know what they've said? Eight will not beat us. I don't care about five. I don't care about 84. I don't care about any other number on the offense. Certainly don't care about one, that's for sure. Do not let eight beat you, period. 
That is the goal. And teams have schemed deliberately to take him away. And that is why we are where we are. Who's the benefactor of that? It's Drake London. That's why he is where he is right now. Folks, you have to understand that, you know, guys who get large target shares, okay, aren't always because they are better than everybody else. You know, I mean, if you look around the league, what you realize is that guys who put up huge, huge numbers aren't doing it alone. If you'd like to go take a sample size or a comparison size of what we're looking at here is uh, CeeDee Lamb, for example. CeeDee Lamb used to have Amari Cooper on the other side of the field. What has CeeDee Lamb done through two games so far? Nine targets, two catches, 22 yards, no touchdowns. And the Cowboys have a win under their belt. I mean, folks, you have to, you have to start looking at the big picture here. I keep telling you that about the Falcons issue. You have to look at the big picture. And if you look what is happening with some of these other high-end tight ends that Kyle Pitts is compared to, you know, the Gronks of the world, the Travis Kelseys, the George Kittles. Well, let's look at those numbers across the league here for a moment and understand something. One, comparing him to Gronk is completely unfair. One, because Gronk is the greatest tight end to ever play the game. Sorry, Tony Gonzalez. Gronk is the best tight end to ever play the game. Don't at me. Uh, and he had the best quarterback to ever play the game. That's a big part of it. Uh, that's a real big part of it. Same thing goes with Travis Kelsey. He's got the best quarterback in the game right now and has for the last three years. Go look at his pre-Patrick Mahomes numbers and go look at his post-Patrick Mahomes numbers, and you'll understand why. Quarterback play has a lot to do with how often a tight end gets the ball. I just mentioned CeeDee Lamb. Oh, gee, Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush. Hmm. Guys, this is obvious stuff. And I don't know why there are radio hosts in this town and writers in this town who are biting this low-hanging fruit about Kyle Pitt's target share. It's ridiculous. You know which tight end has the most targets of any tight end in the league so far this year? Tyler Higby of the Rams. Hmm. Why does Tyler Higby have so many... Uh, so many targets so far. Well, it could be because they have Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, and Cam Akers out of the backfield. Yeah, that would leave Higby open. Why? Because you're doubling down on Cup. You have a linebacker following Akers, and, you know, Allen Robinson draws the, the second best corner on the team. So who's left? Now, Mark Andrews has the second most targets at 18. That's a completely unique scenario because the offense is built around that position. He's got 18. You know his next? Pat Fryermuth. Why is Fryermuth open? Oh, I don't know. Deontay Johnson there. Chase Claypool there. Najee Harris out of the backfield. You see what I'm driving at here, folks? The Falcons don't have any other weapons, period. None. None that any defense cares about. Zero. So they focus all their energy on eight because they're not going to let eight beat them, period. And that's a problem. There's only one area with pits that you can get upset. I'll tell you what that is in a minute. First of all, my friends from betonline.net, your fastest and easiest way to check in on all odds, lines, and games, your favorite sports and events right there. 
and all your betting needs at betonline.net. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, which is so much fun. You guys got to try it. Uh, scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today. Bet online where the game starts. Now, there is one area that I will allow everybody to be upset about with Kyle Pitts and the targets. And that's that place called the red zone. There is an area where he should absolutely be forced target. Just jump all the hell out of the guy, period. Figure it out. I don't need anything fancy. Stack it in tight. Have him roll off the line and get me a jump ball in the corner. That's all I want. That, I think, is fair. That is a complaint you can talk to me about. But all this other stuff, man, you're not paying attention. I mean, heck, a couple other tight ends. Zach Ertz is the only viable target right now in Arizona. He's got 15 targets, 10 catches for 89 yards. You know what that means? All those catches are right at the line of scrimmage. They ain't going down the field. And that's, oh, by the way, one of the things that makes Kyle Pitts so dynamic is his speed and ability to get down the field. Well, guess what? You don't have an offensive line that can block very long, and you have an inaccurate quarterback. These things matter. TJ Hawkinson, one of the best young tight ends in the league. He's got 14 targets. Kyle Pitts has 10. Would two more targets a game have changed the outcome to Kyle Pitts? I doubt it. I doubt it. You could look across this league, guys, at the tight end position and how teams are using it. It's very, very specific. It's not like wide receivers. So there's a lot that goes into this, and you really have to look at this thing objectively. Stop biting into that low-hanging fruit that's whining about things that you're not really paying attention to. Go a little bit beyond the box score, watch the game a little bit, and understand what is unfolding. As I said, I am the biggest, the absolute biggest proponent of Kyle Pitts getting more targets than anybody because he should. But I've watched the first two games and have understood what has happened and why it has happened. And that is very important. Before you start screaming at Arthur Smith and complaining about the coaching and everything else, there is a certain amount of understanding of what has happened in the game and how it's unfolded. And oh, by the way, when you're down by 25 points in the third quarter, as I said yesterday, there is no scheme. Get the ball to the open guy as quick as possible. Get down the field and try to score as fast as humanly possible. There is no, oh, well, let's call this play here because I know Kyle can beat his man. Nah, nope. Game script changes. The way you call the game changes. You, you go to a whole different line on your play sheet. You know that that sheet that coaches put up in front of their mouth? There's a... There's a there's a section of it that, hey, I need 15 yards. That's where all these plays are. Defense sits back in coverage, fine. I mean, it's it's that simple. And I just, I'm irritated that fans are not understanding what is going on here. And particularly my colleagues aren't understanding what's going on here. You got to climb a little bit higher on the tree to find the good fruit, folks. The low-hanging fruit, it ain't worth it. All right, coming up next, a very, very misleading stat about the Georgia Bulldogs, or is it? I'll explain next. On ADZ, on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. 
Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Again, on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-O. Don't forget we're on Roku TV now. You got an Amazon Fire Stick? Click on that Roku TV app and you'll see this every single day if you choose to watch, which you should because it's a lot of fun. Don't forget to subscribe to that YouTube channel as well. But Roku TV is also a great place to get Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day check out all the shows on the locked on atl network a to z that's this one hitting hard with john chuckery atl day ones jarvis davis Tanisha batiste as well braves postcast locked on falcons locked on hawks and oh by the way nba training camp coming up so get ready locked on hawks fans because we're coming for you okay um georgia uh, improved to 3-0 last week they're going to take on cupcake kent state this week uh at sanford stadium uh and they're going to get rolled uh so there's that. They're they're not going to lose to Kent State. Uh, they are not AM. So beyond all that, um, Seth Emerson, who covers Georgia as good as anybody uh, for the athletic, has uh, wrote a column today about sacks, right? Quarterback sacks. Uh, Georgia, through three games so far, has um one, just just one, one little sack, and that's it. Uh, and it's not impressive. That said, the contention that Seth Emerson makes, and he even quotes Kirby Smart for making the same contention, um, that sacks, quote, not part of the game. That's not the game anymore, said Kirby Smart. The game is not to sit back there and have a guy be a sitting target. Well, again, it's more of a passing game now than ever before. More quarterbacks have running ability. Offenses are calling more quick passes to get rid of the ball quickly. And defenses are combating the spread by using more defensive backs, which usually means taking a linebacker out and putting, or at least, you know, dropping a linebacker into coverage. It means it's one less guy rushing. So there's that. Uh, And Emerson put some numbers out there. The number of passes in college football up during the last few years. But um, the sack rate and pressure rate on QBs have remained static with both down a little bit this year. Uh, well, the average time a quarterback has taken the ball, taken to throw the ball, and the average ball yards that the ball's traveled in air have both ticked down as well. So, again, for example, in 2019, the drop pack percentage 52%, the pressure percentage is 31.6, uh, the sack percent is 6.3, 2.8 seconds to throw, nine nine yards in the air. Two years later, 2021, the full season that ended, the drop pack percentage 52.5%, a half percent difference. Pressure percent, 31.4 as compared to 31.6 two years ago. Sack percent, 6.3 to 6.6. Seconds to throw, 2.8 to 2.7. Uh, yards in the air, both equally nine. I, I give you all this, this information here in a very quick and scattered manner um, because I, I disagree with the contention overall that sacks are not part of the game anymore, or as Kirby Smart said, that's not the game anymore. Yeah, it is. It, it absolutely still is. And yes, I mean, obviously, it's better to sack a quarterback than not. But overall, quarterback pressures and making a quarterback um, uncomfortable is a big part of the game. Um, and and the difference between college and the NFL, I think, is paramount here when you look at sacks. Because I've been over this before in this show. And Warren Sharp, who does, uh, you know, at Sharp Football on Twitter, He does an amazing analysis of what happens on a drive when an offense takes a sack versus when they don't. Their touchdown percentage when they they have a sack versus when they don't. Like, it is devastating 
in the NFL to get sacked. It literally changes the scope of games. That's why it's so important. In college, it's not as important, especially now, especially, especially now at this point in the season where you're not really playing any opponents of worth. And that's the big picture here. The big picture here is that when you are playing somebody who is inferior to you and the talent level is that few, did I get that right? The, the lesser talented team, yeah, you don't have to necessarily bring the quarterback down to win because you would, you you outdo them in so many other areas. Like that really is the problem. And, and you have to kind of figure out exactly what uh exactly what you know uh, uh these teams do and and do well and try to take it away because you can do that like it, it's it's easier when you have a a talent advantage i want to give you guys a frame of reference here because i think it's super super important um to illustrate what i'm talking about I'm going to do that in a second. I want first to work from our friends at Coffee AM, coffeeam.com. Guys, freshest coffee out there. Why? It's roasted and shipped on the same day or close to it, and it'll arrive right at your front door, and the box will smell amazing. But my everyday routine of taking my, my K-cup, my Keurig maker, and dropping a Coffee AM in it, and I get this coffee from around the world, whether it's Sumatra, Kenya, Costa Rica, Tanzania, places you haven't heard of, it's just, it starts my day the right way. And usually the same thing because Coffee AM is delicious. And all the flavors are great. Try them all out. Check them all out online at coffeeam.com backslash locked on. You'll see the full menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. And it's a great way to tell somebody you love them, right? Send them out some coffee. Who doesn't love a little cup of joe? But again, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use the coupon code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Coffees, teas, and gift sets. Coffee AM, best small batch coffee roaster in America. I'd like to bring a couple of games to your attention where I think Seth Emerson is wildly off, and so is Kirby Smart. Um, let's go back to the very first game last year, Georgia versus Clemson. Clemson scored three points. You know how many sacks Georgia had in that game against DJ Uyagalele? Seven. Seven. Yeah, that, that probably had something to do with the fact that he was 19 of 37 for an interception, right? Like that had something to do with it. Go back to the SEC championship game. You know how many times Stetson Bennett was sacked in the SEC championship game? Four. Two picks. Right? Yeah. Go back to the national title game. You know how many times Bryce Young was sacked? Three. Two picks. I, I, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if you don't sack anybody from Samford. They can't compete with you. But when you play these high-level games against these high-level opponents, don't sit there and tell me that you don't need to get sacks. You absolutely do, because what happens? The quarterback at Samford isn't as good as the quarterback at Clemson or at Alabama. Do you think? The outcome of those games might have been different. If Bryce Young hadn't gotten sacked in the national title game, do you think that game goes the exact same way? Because I don't. At all. I just, it didn't happen. It doesn't happen that way. If he has time to throw back there, the game goes dramatically differently. Bringing a quarterback down on a routine basis will affect what they do in the pocket, out of the pocket, and their decision-making. Yes, you can do that with QB pressures as well. But let's not kid ourselves here. The best quarterbacks in college football 
aren't necessarily thrown off by that. If they are thrown off by it, guess what they're not? One of the best quarterbacks in college football. Just is what it is. Stetson Bennett didn't take a lot of sacks last year. It made it very easy and very comfortable for him to play football free and relaxed because he never got touched. It's a big part of it. So, well, again, it doesn't matter against Samford. It didn't even matter against South Carolina because they just don't have the horses in the barn to compete with you. It's not going to matter against Kent State. It'll matter in the Kentucky game against Will Levis. It'll matter in the Tennessee game against Hendon Hooker. Yeah, damn, damn, skippy it will. Heck, it's definitely going to matter against Florida. Anthony Richardson's a little pitter-patter, you know, he's scared, scared cat. Because he got banged around last week by Kentucky. So those kind of things matter. I, I disagree with the contention. I think it's different in college because the talent disparity between the teams you play every week sometimes is so big, you don't have to be great on any given week in any given category to be able to win a football game. Kind of just show up and you're automatically better. All right, coming up next, uh, nobody saw this coming through the first two weeks of the NFL and what the numbers say of who's already eliminated from the NFL playoffs. That's next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast search, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Now, A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast search, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Again, don't forget we're on Roku TV on your Amazon Fire Stick. Check us out there. New platform that you can get Locked On ATL on every single day. Uh, before we get to uh, things that you never thought you'd see through two weeks of the NFL season and who's already out of the NFL playoffs, well, guess what? We have time for Shovel of Wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. False start on the offense. That's me. There you go. You know how we do it every day. Uh, hand out a shovel to somebody who said or did something stupid. And you can do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno. Of course, use that hashtag shovel of wisdom. And today, my show, Doug Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, you don't know Doug, Doug Ramsey, but he is the chief operations officer of a company called Beyond Meat. They are a vegan food product company. Um, and Doug and his uh, vegan friends, uh, well, Doug has been charged with felony battery and making terroristic threats after a uh, what they're calling a fracas outside a football game. Uh, what had happened was, uh, this is in Fayetteville, Arkansas, by the way, uh, the 53-year-old Ramsey uh, attacked another man who tried to inch in front of him in a parking garage traffic lane and then made contact with Ramsey's SUV. The police officer responded to supporting the service, finding two males with bloody faces after speaking with uh, uh, the other man and witnesses. The officer determined that Ramsey had gotten out of his SUV, punched through the back windshield of the other car, um, and then once the other driver got out of his car, Ramsey pulled him in close, started punching his body, and get this, he bit the owner's nose, the other guy's nose, ripping the flesh off the tip of his nose. I think it's kind of uh, you know, the irony of all this that a guy who doesn't believe in eating meat bites somebody else's nose. So you see, see what happens when you say that works? That's not, the, that's not the vegetarian part. That's not the vegan part of the human body. Yeah. It's all meat, man. It's all flesh. What a moron. Why do these people, 
what, what world are we in where you actually have that much road rage? I, listen, I have road rage as much as anybody. I'm never getting out of my car to stop doing what I'm doing. I, I just don't. Period. But anyway, always fun. See, that's why you don't go vegan. You end up like that guy. You're always hungry, so you're irritable all the time. That's really what that is. Don't go vegan. That's the lesson. Okay. Uh, what we never thought for two weeks of uh, the NFL season. Anybody have the Giants being 2-0? and No. Didn't see that one coming. Not at all. Anyone have the Jaguars in first place? Nope. Not me either. Nope. Anybody have the Dolphins in first place? Not only me either. Kind of crazy. Um, there are two divisions with all four teams at 1-1. One, one. <clears throat> Excuse me. The NFC North and the NFC West. Um, there are only, there's only one division with two winless, uh, sorry, two undefeated teams. Uh, this again, Mark. So two divisions with two 0-2 teams. That's the Panthers and the Falcons. Uh, Buccaneers already with the game lead. And then you go to the AFC South. As I said, Jaguars in first place. Next is the Colts, 0-1-1. Like it's 0-2. Now, if you'd like to look at some playoff percentages, since 1990, that's when the NFL went to its 12-team playoff format. I know there were 14 last year. Since 1990, uh, only 11% of teams that started 0-2 have made playoffs. And uh, only three of those teams have ever won a Super Bowl. So, you know, we say every single year uh, you get four or five new playoff teams, right? Bengals, 0-2 playoff team last year. Titans, 0-2 playoff team last year. Raiders 0-2 playoff team last year. Three of those teams right there probably not making the postseason. Look, I told you guys the Bengals were going to regress for the season. I didn't expect the Titans to be on to. I certainly didn't expect the Raiders to be on to. Uh, but you can pretty much count those teams out, along with the Falcons and Panthers. 11% is not a very good number. Now, it, it will change over the course of time just because as you're adding two more playoff teams, there's a chance for a team to get in. After an 0-2 start, but uh, it still means it's very, very difficult. Hey, raise your hand uh, if you had any of these three guys in the top three in passing, let alone all three of them. Passing leaders, top three. Tua Tagovailoa, Carson Wentz, Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah, nobody saw that coming. Leading rusher after two weeks of football. Raise your hand if you had Saquon Barkley. Yeah, well, great. Raise your hand if you had two Miami Dolphins wide receivers being two of the top three in receiving yards. You might have had Tyree Kill, but Dylan Waddle off to a fantastic start as well. So those are just kind of like some weird little quirky things that uh, when I look from the beginning of the NFL season, like, damn, I didn't see that one coming. So, all right, uh, let's get out of here on the note with the Braves. Uh, again, they will uh, take on the Nationals again tonight. Uh, as they will send Charlie Morton to the hill against Patrick Corbin, maybe the most beatable pitcher in Major League Baseball so far this year. Corbin is 6-18 with a 6-11 ERA and a 1.6 whip. Um, uh, they, they need Corbin as well. As I said right now, I don't trust anybody after the top three have the ball in their hands. Really, really, really don't. And there's no reason to. Um, but Morton needs better have a, a very, very good start keeps his team in the game. He hasn't been really good as of late. Um, 
And the Braves will finish up the series with Max Fried going against Josiah Gray on Wednesday. Uh, the Mets tonight will take on Milwaukee again. It'll be Carlos Carrasco against Aaron Ashby. And then on Wednesday, uh, both, of, both Braves and Mets play day games on Wednesday. Tywan Walker against Adrian Hauser. So uh, we're getting to that time, folks. We are getting to that time where you know we are looking at how the rest of the next week plus is going to set up and the idea of them being able to match up a pitching rotation against the Nets. Um, because once you get through this weekend after Washington, you go right to Philadelphia on Thursday for four games. Um, and they don't have another day off until before they welcome the Mets back. So they are going straight through this whole run here. Friday, September 16th, when they started the series against the Phillies. If they had that off day coming out from Matt West, they'll get another off day until uh, Thursday, September 29th, and that will set it up. Now, right now, if they keep everything the way it is, and they may bump some guys here, but they brought up Bryce Elder, uh, and our buddy Grant McCauley mentioned this yesterday. What they may do is try to figure out uh, a way to change the rotation. My guess is is what they would do is the first game of the Washington series in Washington on Monday, September 26th, is that's where they get a spot start from Elder. Then they put Odorizzi uh, in his normal spot on that Tuesday. They move Freed, uh, or you know, they would need to do two things. They would probably need to actually put Elder in there, Odorizzi. If they could set it up where they get Freed, Strider, and Wright for three games against the Mets, it's probably the ideal scenario, maybe two out of three. But again, then you would see if they do what I just said that they would do, where they put Elder in the first Monday in Washington, that's a week from yesterday, six days from now, um, they'd be able to move free to the last game of the Washington series and then only have to bump Strider and Wright back a day each. And then you get Strider and Wright and probably Morton uh, to close out the Nets. So that's probably at least the direction that they're going. Let's see how it all shakes out. All right, that'll do it for us today here on A to Z. Appreciate you guys watching, listening, and however you get your podcasts. First Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube as well, Roku TV. Hit me up on Twitter at Marzino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Back tomorrow with another show. You guys have a great day. Don't forget to crap anybody. See ya.